This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State Athletics since 2013. Hi again, everybody. Thanks for joining me on the Beaver Tales podcast, where I talk with former Oregon State student athletes and coaches to talk about their time in Corvallis, what they learned there, what they've done ever since, what they're passionate about. My name is Josh Warden, and today we've got former Oregon State head coach, not only with the Beavers, but also a head coach of the U.S. national team in volleyball. This is Terry Laskevich, who coached uh, OSU to the Sweet 16. Not the only program that's made the Sweet 16. In fact, we uh, briefly discussed men's basketball for a little connection he has with OSU's opponent on Saturday. But most importantly for Terry's story, he was the OSU coach in the mid-2000s to 2010s. He ultimately retired after the 2015 season. He became CEO of Total Sports LLC and The Art of Coaching. So he still does a lot of stuff in the sport of volleyball, helping other coaches grow the sport of volleyball. He also helped co-found the AVCA, and that's the American Volleyball Coaches Association. He's in four different Hall of Fames, the, the uh, University of Pacific, for example, the City of Stockton Hall of Fame, the Midwest Intercollegiate Volleyball, the ACA, uh, so four Hall of Fames. He won a bronze medal at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics when he was head coaching the U.S. Women's National Team and uh, obviously coached at Oregon State as well. There's a crazy story how he came to America, originally born in Munich, but he's Ukrainian and has traveled all over the world, loves the sport of volleyball, loves life, a great guy to talk with. Here is former Oregon State head women's volleyball coach, Terry Liskevich. Terry, thanks for joining me on the podcast. How are you doing today? Josh, yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to spend some time with you. Let's start with what you're doing now, and then we'll kind of work backwards, maybe start at the beginning of your story, volleyball and life-wise. But currently, uh, being the CEO of Total Sports LLC and the art of coaching kind of intertwined and in how you're helping promote volleyball, teach volleyball, kind of coach in a different way than you were doing in the Pac-12, tell me a little bit about what today looks like? I know that's a that's a broad question already, but what are some of the things you're doing right now, day to day in the sport of volleyball? Well, Josh, we, we've started several different entities that have to do with teaching coaches how to coach. And the art of coaching volleyball, there's also the art of coaching softball, the art of coaching football. And we really have live events. And then also we have a robust presence on the internet, like take Art of Coaching Volleyball, well, we have 60, 70,000 members on our site, and then we have premium members that pay a monthly or annual fee to get some premium content on our site. And we've done this uh, for a while, and um, I'm, I'm based in San Diego and Encinitas, Lucadia, that's North County Coastal San Diego. And um, that's what I do daily. I still do some consulting on, on different kinds of projects with people, but my day-to-day -day is really spent on uh, the art of coaching entities and, and, and some of the consulting with Total Sports. What sort of coaches end up using that the most? Do you get club coaches, high school? Are you yeah. getting Division One coaches who are using that material or Good all across question. the board? I'd say if it's really 60 5% are a combination of a high school slash club, because a lot of them do both. 
but uh, the majority would be high school coaches. Secondly, would be middle school coaches, then come colleges, then just club coaches only. And then we have an international segment as well. So, um, so it, it's, it's quite interesting and it's, uh, uh, it's grown immensely and we have a lot of content. We, we have uh, over three and a half thousand videos on our site and another 1500 in the can. So we've through the years produced a lot of uh, video content, a lot of PDF files, a lot of different articles, blogs, podcasts, so forth. So you have 1500 videos that aren't even released yet that I've will released. get released. Yes. <laughs> oh boy, that is that is a lot. Of, I was perusing through, I think this may have even been on the AVCA website, uh, another enterprise that you helped co-found the American Volleyball Coaches Association. And one of the videos, just like a, a modified pepper drill, it just seemed like, you know, here's here's something you throw out. Coaches can take it, implement it in yes. their coaching. We're, and- we're on several sites like that. We're, we're the tip of the week of the AVCA. We're also a, a, a tip of the week on Volleyball Magazine, the online volleyball magazine that's out there. And we also have a relationship with the Junior Volleyball Association. So they use some of our content. We use some of their content. So we're, we're across a lot of different platforms, but, but and we also have live clinics where, you know, the founders of this were the Penn State coach, Russ Rose, myself and John Dunning, the Stanford coach. And we've known each other a long, long time. Uh, Russ uh, and I met, he was in one of my um, uh, psychology of sport classes at George Williams College in 1972, and we convinced him to go out for volleyball. So that's a, you know, that's a 49 year endeavor. And then John Dunning and I have known each other since 1977. So that's a 44 year endeavor. So we've been friends a long time. And both those guys have won, you know, Russ seven and and John five national championships. Uh, So that's kind of my day to day. Uh, Speaking of the history, I'm kind of curious how you first got involved in volleyball i mean as you and i were both talking before just what it means to get people involved in the sport get more exposure to it and so i'm curious how how you first were exposed to it if you can kind of go back even to actually just the sure. beginning of your own life story and just kind of where you were born coming to america and then where volleyball comes into play there um kind of kind of rehash bit by bit however much you want to share of, of that no, story no no i mean i you know, I'm a immigrant. I'm of Ukrainian heritage, and and my parents uh, ended up after World War II in a displaced persons camp outside of Munich, and that's where I was born in 1948. And we came here to this country in 1951, moved to Chicago in a Ukrainian community, a 10 by 15 square block area that's still there in the near north side of Chicago called the Ukrainian Village looks a lot different now than it did when I was growing up there. But, you know, we, you know, I played a lot of the Eastern European or, I mean, I, I was, I played table tennis, tennis, soccer, and I was a high level soccer and tennis player. But a lot of my friends that I played that were East coast people, Ukrainian guys that played both volleyball and soccer. And they would always say to me, Hey, you ought to play volleyball. And I'd go volleyball. My sister plays volleyball, but at age 17 and a half, I picked up volleyball and it just, Kind of hooked me and i quit soccer for it i quit te- I, I quit tennis for soccer which was probably the biggest mistake and then i quit soccer for volleyball and um 
the rest is kind of history. I started playing on a club team for the Olympic coach, Jim Coleman, Kenneth Allen, which was a volleyball club in, uh, in Chicago. Then Jim was a chemistry teacher at a small college, George Williams, outside of Chicago. He became the volleyball coach, but he was the Olympic 1968 head coach of the men's Olympics. I became his assistant at George Williams, still playing on his club team. So I quit medical school. I was a biology major at Loyola University in Chicago went to medical school at Loyola and after one year quit to be Jim's assistant and to to get a master's in physical education, never having had a physical education undergraduate course in my life. So I stayed there for a couple of years at George Williams coaching the men. We won the NAI championship and then uh, I became the head coach at Ohio State for men, worked on my PhD in um, sports psychology then I went to Pacific at Stockton, California, and started the women's program there, which was a one-year-old Division Three program. When I came there, we switched to Division One, and we went to five Final Fours. And then John Dunning replaced me when I became the Olympic coach. And John had never coached in college. He was the state champion in uh, California, at Fremont High School, and he started a Bay Club, the best club team in Northern California. John never coached a day in college and won two national championships the first two years at Pacific. So that's quite a, quite a feat for him, but uh, he's a great coach and uh, obviously a great friend of mine. And then I became the Olympic coach for 12 years, three Olympics, 88, 92, 96, and then started several companies, wanted to see my kids grow up. I missed a lot with traveling as the national coach between 85 and 96 and stayed home, started a couple of marketing companies and then got the itch to coach again when my daughter was going off to college. My son was already in college and my daughter was off to Wisconsin. So then I became a beaver and uh, had a great 10 plus years in Corvallis and enjoyed every minute of it. Great people and uh, I love the city and uh, really the town, so to speak. And I uh, have fond memories of, of the Beavers in Oregon State, and I'm rooting for them even when they're going to play my alma mater this coming uh, Sweet 16. So I, I reached out to Wayne Tinkle and congratulated him, and I, I think the world of Wayne, he's done a great job there. So uh, uh, anyway, that's kind of a encapsulation of that life, you know, so... There was a thousand nuggets in there, and one, not the least of them was the Loyola Chicago, the Ramblers and the Beavers matching up here on Saturday in the men's basketball tournament and your, and your own career. That That's just a fun little piece of it. To go back to dropping out and switching, just, hey, my life is going in one direction, big turn, I'm going to go a different direction. It reminds me of another person I've had in this podcast, someone you know personally, and Erica Nassar, who is playing for Oregon State uh -huh, uh -huh. towards the towards the end of your time at OSU. She was sort of similar where I think she was kind of studying pre-med, I think, and maybe her dad wanted her to go in the medical field. And, well, now she's an assistant coach at Oregon okay. State. So, yeah. <laughs> so she's, well, she hasn't really – She's a great person and uh, certainly was became a great player at Oregon State and led us uh, – was one of the key components for why we got to the Sweet 16 in her senior year. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So – Erica for sure has you know gotten gotten pulled back into volleyball and, and she's happy to be there and Sweet 16 and I think Oregon State had never won a game in the NCAA tournament until Correct. you were coaching in in 2014. So for your story, when you were doing the medical school thing and maybe thought, hey, this is my life path and go into medicine and all that, 
something grabbed you and whenever someone's life just gets changed because of the decision they make even though they were going in one direction it says something about the passion they developed for the thing that they chose instead so can you explain what it was where your heart just said nope i'm doing this other thing and how you decided i'm gonna i'm gonna change paths what was it that really grabbed yeah, you, you know, about volleyball it, it, that that's it's a complex set of circumstances one being part of an immigrant uh, group and that's no different than erica who's you know not of nigerian background and when 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 people come here, they want their kids to be successful. So for us in the Ukrainian community, everybody was, especially the males in those days are going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I'd always say, don't we need plumbers? You know, so um, I, you know, it was just kind of in my mind from a young age, I'm going to be a doctor. But I, one, um, what was fortunate when I came, Loyola had just moved into a new facility in Maywood, Loyola University Medical School, Straight School of Medicine. It was right next to a veterans hospital, Heinz. This was the height of the Vietnam War. And we as freshmen went on some rounds. And I said to myself, what am I doing here? You know, like I, I want to be dealing with healthy people, you know, and I um, and, and at the same time, I had the bug now of playing for the Olympic coach on his club team. And I said, hey, how good can I be as a player? And it was just kind of a lot of things worked out. It was my way that I sometimes say out of the Ukrainian ghetto, you know, out of the Ukrainian village. It, it forced me to really, you know, I, I was a pretty good athlete uh, in the Ukrainian community. But as I always said, there's a world out there. Hey, I may be the best guy on the Chicago Ukrainians volleyball team, but once I became a member of Kenneth Allen, and you know, there's three, four guys on our team that are on the national team. It's coached by the Olympic coach. I all of a sudden was thrust into how good am I in the real world? And that that became kind of an impetus for me. And it was a way that, you know, I used to tell my dad, look, if it were that important to be Ukrainian, everybody would be Ukrainian. And they're not, you know. So it's it was it was a way for me to really spread my wings, get out on my own. And it really was a risk. But, uh, hey, I've lived a charmed life with that. I've done what I've loved. Uh, volleyball has been great to me. It's been a symbiotic relationship. I think I've been good for volleyball and volleyball has been good for me. So that's the way I've looked at all of it. So that's great. In that career since then, with the people you interacted with, whether it be coaching the national team, which it's it's crazy in of itself to go from only doing soccer and tennis and table tennis to becoming the head coach of the U.S. women's national team and three Olympics, a bronze medal, that in, in itself is just a, a, an amazing story. In terms of, you know, seeing beyond the lens of Ukrainian culture, the people you interact with, seeing a different side of American life and international life, what I mean, this may be tough to identify one or two specific things, but what was something you maybe saw, had your eyes open to that maybe you hadn't before? Had you stayed in that path, if that makes sense? Has anything come to mind kind of off the top of your head? Well, certainly the ability, the travel, the international travel and being in, I mean, we, we'd go to China when there was only one uh, pizza hut outside of Beijing back in 1985. You know, that's changed a lot. <laughs> but 
Um, so I saw the world. I, I, I think the commonality of it was that, um, you know, in my mind, I knew that I may not be the best, become the best doctor, but maybe I could be one of the best coaches. And, and the beauty of, hey, we in 95 were ranked number one in the world. So there was a time when we were the best. And that's pretty hard to say in any other profession, you know, where, hey, we're, we're number one ranked in the world. We just won the Grand Prix and we beat Cuba, China, Brazil night after night and we're the best. Well, that part of it, the travel, getting to meet people from different countries and finding out that hey, we're really all the same. We, you know, we want to, you know, have a, a good life. We want to have a good family. We want to do what we like and we want to be uh, the ability for us to do that is great. So, so, so that part of it. And, you know, I've met a lot of great people along the way dealing with uh, coaches and athletes and, and people that aspire to be the best, even if they aren't always the best day in and day out, but they're always striving to be the best has been very fortunate in my life. And, you know, obviously my family uh, is, is critical and, you know, my kids now are 36 and 33 and well in their careers. And my, you know, my younger, uh, my daughter, Krista, who was the captain of Wisconsin, uh, the soccer team, uh, she's a nurse practitioner in the emergency room right here, 10 minutes from us in Scripps, Encinitas. And uh, she has a daughter, our, our granddaughter, Colby, who's three. She's due with number two coming in June. My son, who's um, 36, is um, he went to the University of Chicago, then worked for U.S. Soccer. He was the head of media relations. He was their head of digital media. Now he's a senior producer at the NFL Network. So he and his wife are expecting their first in August. So it's kind of everything's good. And, you know, they're close. They're not that far away. Uh, life is good. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm always excited to just kind of keep learning. One of the things, Josh, you asked me, I'm a learner, so I know that I've learned every day. I uh, really am interested in a lot of different things. I'm eclectic, and that's been part of my life, too, that uh, really worked well in with my travels and with uh, uh, the ability with all those international flights before the Internet to be able to read a lot of books on the way. Uh, and I, I remember when the... Uh, you know, when, when, when all of a sudden you were able to have a CD disc to listen to music, a Walkman, you know, that was uh, kind of the, the big revelation in the times that uh, I was the national coach. Well, the world's a lot different now and we're really connected in a, uh, for good and for bad with 24-7 um, with whether it be the Internet, social media, uh, you know, bombarded by a lot of different things. But um, you know, that all in all, I think the key for me has been, hey, I've, I've, I've enjoyed what I do, number one. Number two, I know that the most important element of anything to be successful are good people. So identifying good people along the way, people that are dependable, reliable to me is critical. And then, um, you know, the final thing is that Hey, we're we're on this earth a, a brief little microscopic segment of, of life and and 
um, you restart realizing that we're like, let's say myself, I'm 72 and I go, where has it gone? You know, like, Hey, um, in a flash, I remember being the Olympic coach at age 36. And now here we are, you know, 36 years later. So, uh, um, that's, that's the way life is. That one of the things including I mean, you spoke about being from Ukraine, Oregon state has a player on the roster now who's from Ukraine. Correct. Katerina Tachenko. Um, she's, I'm probably pronouncing this like an American. She's from Lubny, if, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, Lubny. Yeah, yeah. Lubny. Yeah. Okay, thank and, you. And the assistant coach is Ukrainian also. That's right. Anna Kristenko. Uh huh. Yeah. So you got some Ukrainians. You've got a middle blocker from Minsk, Belarus, and Nastya Svetnik. So you've got a couple of Europeans on there. And a lot of teams are doing that. I think it was Arizona State where like half their roster is from Europe. And a lot of teams, not that that's completely new. I mean, there have been Europeans who have come to play college volleyball for a while. I don't know the exact numbers on if that's increased. In your opinion, in terms of what NCAA teams do and a lot of Europeans may be saying, hey, I can get a college education, get a scholarship, come play volleyball in the U.S. How much should colleges kind of capitalize on that and, and get a lot of Europeans in? And what sort of impact do you see that having on the future of volleyball in America? Well, I think we've always uh, had um, foreign athletes competing in in sport in the United States and in not only volleyball you could have the same in, in, in basketball you have the same certainly in tennis and and even other swimming uh track and field all those have had international athletes i think it has an impact we've got to realize and we all the united states is the only country in the world that for good and for bad or bad sport is enmeshed in the educational system high school college and um I think for athletes in other nations, sport isn't part of education. And so they at an early age, if they're good, they're going to be on a club team on a junior team of the club. And, and they right away play in that route, but it's not part of the university. It's not part of a secondary school, unless you're in a special sports school that a lot of those kids at a young age are identified for. So I think they aspire to come here and get an education, but it's no different than somebody that wants to be an engineer, you know, all the best talent, comes to America, you know, the, the argument that people say, well, we're, we're, you know, we're teaching the best talent in the world and engineering and well, yeah, but a lot of them stay here. Take a look at all the top companies. How many of those have been started by people that have immigrated from another country? And I think that that's the beauty of the United States is that we are a melting pot and a country of immigrants that we've been from the beginning. And, um, I think that's no different when it comes to the athletes that play. Certainly, let's take volleyball in this instance. It's their opportunity to get a degree, and it's our opportunity to get some good high-level volleyball players that, that are from different countries. Yeah. A couple of last things for you. Since you mentioned you're, you're a lifelong learner, always trying to add something to your repertoire, if I can just ask broadly, what's something that you've learned recently? Learned yesterday, a book you've read in the last week, something that you've been yeah, trying to you know, I've, I'm reading too. Uh, I'm a big reader, so um, one of the most recent books I've read is a fascinating book, which is the autobiography of John Thompson. I I came as a shadow. It was outstanding, and. Uh, I found out things about him and what he did at Georgetown to make sure that his players are successful, not only on the court, but in life. 
And uh, I think that's a real important key to college coaching, that you're going to teach life skills. Um, uh, reading a, a good book about uh, the internet digital transformation. Um, that that's I'm in the midst of that, and then I'm reading a book on Chicago. I'm usually you know eclectic in reading three different. Neil Steinberg, who's a writer for the Sun Times, um, wrote a book. So you've been in Chicago, but that's where I'm from originally. I love Chicago as a city. It's one of the great cities in the world, and the the weather I'll take I'll take my weather here in Lucadia, but. Uh, so yeah, and and learning um, all kinds of things. I mean, this has been a, oof, what a crazy year 2020 and 2021 has been with COVID and with uh, um, the tough pandemic that hit and has affected so many lives, both in health and economically and in other ways. Um, so yeah, and life goes on, so yeah. That's great. Some of the other, I know a lot of people are reading that John Thompson book right now, including the players from your alma mater, because in the NCAA tournament, that book was included in the kind of swag bag kit that oh, they really? gave all the players. Yeah, the John Thompson book. So That's a, it's a great book. I, I recommend it to anybody, and it's really, um, you know, especially who his mentors were: Red Arabach, Dean Smith. Uh, several of the, um, you know, his friendship with Dick Cheney, uh, uh, with uh, Cheney, the, the, the coach at Temple, and um, um, also just fabulous of the way he dealt with individual players and the effect he had on their lives. Uh, and I think that that's what any coach aspires. You know, I, I always used to say that the most important thing that I had for many, many years in a row is anybody that was with me for four years graduated. And so that is a legacy, whether it was at Oregon State, Pacific, and then Oregon State, I mean, Ohio State, Pacific, Oregon State, that is the important thing that I did as a coach, because, uh, uh, you know, there's so much more to life than just playing a sport. And, uh, um, yeah, so those are important things to me. Yeah. Well, Terry, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I hope alongside you that volleyball continues to grow. And uh, I've been honored to do some of the Oregon State games at home and get the live stream so that people can watch. And I, I hope the sport grows and gets much more exposure. So thanks for, for well, leading Josh, the way. Thanks for having me. And I, hey, as I said earlier, I'll be, uh, I'll be rooting for the uh, Beavers uh, in the basketball NCAA tournament, both the men and women, and uh, certainly always want the volleyball team to keep getting better and better. And I, I know Mark is getting them on the right path because they, they're playing five freshmen and that's what you want, you know, so they're only going to be really good in years to come. I think so. Hey, thanks so much for your time, Terry. I appreciate it. Welcome, Josh. Look forward to connecting again anytime. Well, you can tell Terry is a passionate guy. He's a proud father, loves the sport of volleyball, broader horizons than just volleyball, but just so much there. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, speaking of uh, Terry and just international stuff, the podcast uh, that right here, the Beaver Tales podcast, 
uh, benefits local and international charities. Convoy of Hope is one of the ones I like to mention because they do great work right when it's needed most after natural disasters or whatever it may be. Convoy of Hope is oftentimes all over the world with boots on the ground doing work um, in disaster relief as well as other uh, programs, not in the midst of disasters, so all sorts of stuff. Um, so the, the money goes a long way that you donate to Convoy of Hope. So you want to check them out. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, if you'd like to donate. I do that instead of getting sponsorships or, or advertisements, just mention some different charities. Thanks again for Terry Laskevich joining the podcast. It's been a lot of fun doing play-by-play for Oregon State Volleyball this season. I've been able to call those games and just falling in love with, with Oregon State Volleyball. And I'm only scratching the surface of knowing the sport and understanding it, um, but having learned it a lot more than I used to is has just been a lot of fun. And so uh, you can catch Oregon State Volleyball. I have a color commentator now, Maddie Goings, who is a current player on the team. She's injured. And so I think we'll have one more weekend to close out the regular season against Utah um, in early April. So you can uh, you can catch that on the Oregon State live stream. Go on osubeavers.com and you can find it there. All right, I've been Josh Warden, your host here on the Beaver Tales podcast. Stay tuned. Hoping to get Hassani Dotson on for a conversation. We'll have him on the Joe Beaver Show and a few other guests lining up as well. Thanks for tuning in. Good night and go Beavs.